Psalm chapter 27, and I'm going to read the entire chapter, if I may, and then I'll zero in on what we want to focus on with God's help. Psalm chapter 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Mm. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of, read the next word with me, joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Look at verse 11 again. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. And if your Bible's like mine, you can flip one page back, and I look at Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Today my assignment is to preach to you on walking through the midnight hour. Thank you, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Father, for the next few minutes I ask that you would touch me to preach this word in such a way that would bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ and none else. And that would edify the body of Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The psalmist said in verse 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord. 
and lead me in a plain path. If you look that word up, it basically and simply means a path that is not full of uh, obstruction, a path that is level, easy to walk upon. Because David was readily admitting and praying about enemies that surrounded him that set up traps and snares for him to trip him up. In the day and age in which we live, and we talked about this in our Sunday school class, this world is becoming more and more hostile to the Christian. And they deliberately and intentionally participate in Satan's plan to trip us up, to get us snared and entangled in something and cause us to die on a hill that God never called us to die on. And if we're not careful, we will become entangled in the fights they want us to fight instead of fighting the fight for their soul through prayer and through the declaration of God's Word. And in this day and age in which we live, if we're going to be effective walking through this midnight hour as a church that we're walking through, we're going to have to be equipped with the Word of God and filled with the Spirit of God. You can't just respond to every attack. You can't just uh, speak your mind when somebody launches out and attacks you. We've got to have God's instructions on how to walk through the midnight hour because, after all, it is a very dark and lonely place to be. And if we're not careful, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But if we're not careful, Satan will lure us away from the word until it gets just dark enough to where he has you trapped. And, and you bite the bait and you become uh, ineffective for the cause of Christ and worse, bring shame to the name of Christ. And we're called to be children of the light. We're not called to curse the darkness. We're called to light a candle. Can somebody say amen? this morning. And we need the instruction of the Spirit of God to teach us how to walk through this midnight hour of the end times that we find ourselves living in. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be doable with the guidance of the Spirit of God. Can I get another amen? Hallelujah. Uh, if you give me enough amens, I'll stop asking for them. <laughs> uh, so I'm just in the teaching mode this morning. I'll teach you how to say it eventually. Amen. Without being prompted. But hallelujah. Teach me thy way. And then he gets personal in Psalm 23. We talked about the darkness of the hour of the age in which we live, but now watch this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is personal. And there's a lot of people today who have so many personal demons to fight that they can't stress over what they're doing over there in Washington, D.C. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God wants to teach us how to walk through the midnight. No matter where the darkness is, there's light to light our path. And God can help us with that. If you're interested, say amen. So let me give you some things I believe the Lord's helped me with. But I want to say this. Uh, let me give this, uh, lead into this with an illustration. I remember when I was a little boy growing up at Daddy's house, I, I was raised in Trap Hill, North Carolina. Uh, it, it was just like it sounds, a place that you get trapped and can't hardly get out of unless the Lord finds you, amen, uh, and pulls you out. And that's what he did for me. But uh, just a little country place out in the middle of God only knew where. And uh, we lived uh, on a little five-acre plot that Dad bought. 
he bought an old shack, really, and, and decided to raise his family there. Didn't do much with the shack, and so uh, I wish I had a picture to show you the shack that I lived in growing up. Uh, it was humble beginnings, and anyway, uh, you know, regardless of my history and my upbringing or, and, and the lack of wealth and the poverty that we lived through and all of that, uh, I will have to say something about my father is, is he made sure that we had food on the table and he made sure that we had a roof over our head. And he wasn't always a saint. In fact, he didn't get saved till I was nine years old. Uh, but when God saved him, he changed his life dramatically. But one thing I remembered is I always enjoyed spending time with Dad because I felt comfortable around him and he was fun to hang out with and he always would like to try to make me laugh. And I just enjoyed pre- spending time in the presence of my father. Uh, we had, uh, we were living on, uh, well water, not well water, but, uh, spring water at the time. Uh, there was an old spring down in what we called the holler. If you're a country boy, say amen. <laughs> and, uh, and it was down through the woods, a good little walk. Daddy built this pump house, uh, on, uh, right next to this, uh, spring. And, and every time it rained and come a gully washer, the water would be muddy for a few days. I mean, it was what uh, I'm talking about showing up a, a good spring that we lived off of, but every winter the pipes would freeze. It, without fail, it had to go down there and figure out where the coal's getting in and how he can produce more heat. And it would always freeze at night, of course. And Daddy always needed help going down there, and guess who got to help Dad go down to the pump house in the middle of the night? Of course, it was me and my brothers. And uh, we would have to tote the flashlights or whatever, you know. And I remember those journeys down through them dark woods. I never liked for Daddy to get too far ahead of me because I felt like the light was escaping me and Daddy's presence was escaping me. And I was scared of the dark as a little boy. But if I could catch up to Daddy and walk right there by his side and walk in his light, I was safe, I was secure, I was happy. Can I get an amen this morning? And, and David is saying the same thing. Yea, thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for why? Thou art with me. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you and convince you that God has forgotten about you or that God has forsaken you in your trouble. Now, I know sometimes the flesh wants to entertain the question, why has God not answered my prayer? Why has God not brought healing? Why did God not spare me of this trouble and this heartache? But the church needs to learn the lesson that the thief is the one that came to steal and to kill and to destroy. And it was Jesus that come to bring life and to bring it more abundantly. Don't blame God for what the devil's done in your life. Amen, church? And we need to know who our friend is and who our enemy is. God is our friend. God is our advocate. I can't explain to you why sometimes he doesn't answer prayers the way we ask him to answer them. But I can tell you this, when you can't see his hand, you can always trust his heart to lead you in the right direction. Amen? And I want to give you quickly five things that will help us walk through the midnight hour of our lives. Number one, you need to lift him up in praise. Psalm 27, 1 opened up. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So he began first off lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, lifting up his heavenly Father. Jesus even taught us in the model prayer that when we begin to pray, the first thing off our lips ought to be our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Before you do anything, no proper protocol in the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Before you ask for anything, give Him praise that's wor- that He's worthy of. Give Him praise and glory and honor in this place. Uh, if you're going to get through the midnight, you're going to have to learn how to lift Him up in praise in your life. You say, but Brother Gary, I don't feel like praising Him. He never asked uh, if you felt like it. He said, uh, everything, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. We we criticize churches. You, you, I've heard churches criticize. Well, all they got over there is a bunch of hypocrites, and they up there shouting on Sunday and cussing on Saturday. Well, I agree that it ought not to be that way. But when God said, "Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord," that even included the hypocrite. Amen. A, a hypocrite's praise of God don't intimidate him because he's worthy of all of it, whether you know him or not. He's worthy of it. Can somebody say Amen this morning to that? We need to learn how to lift him up. In spite of our sorrow, in spite of our uh, shame, in spite of our trouble, and even in spite of our own sins and mistakes, uh, uh, who we are and what we're going through does not change his nature, does not change his character. He's still God. He's still on the throne. He's still able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or think, uh, and might I add, even imagine. Amen. Uh, And so lift him up, and you'd be surprised at what God will do because he inhabits, that is, he dwells in the praises of his people. Uh, Bottom line, God loves praise. And if you want to get his attention quicker, real quick, you just lift him up. Now, there's something about praising God when he answers prayer, and we ought to. But there's something even more precious about praising God when the answer ain't come yet. Uh, When I'm fighting hell by the acre... When the demons are crawling on my back and trying to weigh me down and pull me off my path. Uh, when I can just say, blessed, like Job said, uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Uh, he's worthy of all of our praise because Daddy knows best. Amen. So we need to learn to lift him up, church. And we need to lift him up often and frequently. And you can't praise him enough. Uh, I know they try to shut us down when we go to praising God. And I know praising God makes some people uncomfortable. But let me tell you what makes God uncomfortable is when his people, redeemed by his blood, saved by his grace, blessed with his blessings, uh, sit silent when they should be lifting up his name. I don't know about you, but I want God to be comfortable in his house. If we're going to make anybody uncomfortable, it ought to be those that refuse to give him the praise that's due his name. Who do you want to offend? Amen. I don't want to offend my Lord. My Lord has been too good to me. And they can't nobody in this house rob me of the praise that I'm going to give to him. Because you don't know where he's brought me from. You don't know what he's done for me. And I might upset you a little bit, but I quite frankly don't really care. Because I care about the one who did it all for me, and he's worthy whether you join in and help me praise him or not. Amen. (laughs) 
Woo, glory to God. Lift him up, church. Lift him up. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. I'm not going to fear. He's my strength. Uh, I mean, he's my everything. Amen. Lift him up in praise. Number two, I've got to hurry. We've we got to do this. Verse 12 illustrates that we need to list to him our petitions. After you've praised him, and only after, then you can begin to pour your heart out to him. And David illustrated that in verse 12. There's other verses, but for sake of time, I'll just look at verse 12. He said, Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. False witnesses are risen up against me, such as breathe out cruelty. I mean, people can get mean. People can get hurtful. And don't be surprised if the first place you experience the deepest pain is in the place that God wants you to flourish and thrive. The church. People get hurt worse in church than they do on the job site. Why is that? Well, we expect better of each other. And then when somebody disappoints you, it hurts. Am I just being real this morning? So God wants you to bear your sorrow to him, to carry it to him, to list to him your concerns. Your issues does not intimidate the burden lifter. There's no weight too great for him to handle. One of the mistakes that we make is we don't always bear the fullness of our heart in the presence of God. We act as if we can hide something from God. Maybe we're thinking it, but we don't want to really say it. Uh, We've been taught, many of us, not to ever ask God why. But my Bible don't teach me that. In fact, the the most perfect man that ever lived asked his father why on the cross. Have you ever thought about that? If Jesus can ask the Father why, I can ask the Father why. Because here's the thing. I don't ask him why because I'm accusing his character. I'm asking why because I need him to help me understand. I trust him, but I've got to know a little bit more than what's going on sometimes. Because sometimes the lack of knowledge can be overwhelming. But what, what's happening when God doesn't give us the answer? Let me put it to you this way. Sometimes what you need more than an answer is peace and reassurance. Because if God told you everything, you think you're burdened now. You think you're broke down now because you don't know. Solomon said knowledge is grievous. There's some things that God knows you're better off not knowing. Because you wouldn't be able to understand it if he told you. Why would God waste your time and his telling you, trying to explain something to you that you'll never understand until the sweet by and by? So he gives you something that's better than knowledge. He gives you a peace that passes all understanding. He gives you peace of mind in troubled times. Now, sometimes he'll give when he knows that you're ready for it, when he knows that you need it. Because a loving father, we're kind of like on an as-need-to-know basis with God. If we need to know, he'll tell us. 
Now, if you think that that's a little bit harsh on God, let me ask you a question, parent. How many times have you told your children everything that you know? Thank you. And you do it because they're not mature enough, they're not old enough, or a list of reasons that you may withhold information. They won't ever understand until they walk in your shoes. You see, when you look at it from just a plain and common sense perspective, it kind of makes sense, don't it? Daddy knows best. Even, even when the lack of knowledge hurts, God knows that I couldn't handle the weight of knowing would crush me even further. And so he teaches me to just come before his presence and pour out my petitions before him. And sometimes he gives answers and sometimes he gives peace, but that's his prerogative. And in either case, he's going to help me get through it. Amen. And so I'm talking about getting through the midnight. Sometimes you're just going to have to bear your heart and let come what may and be thankful for whatever it is that God gives you. And sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes patience. Uh, there's been seasons in my life or even months at a time where it didn't feel like I could, my prayers could get above the ceiling. Amen. Uh, but it was a season of testing my faith. Would I believe God's word when I didn't sense his presence? Uh, but God's doing that to teach us how to stand on his fallible word because it will bear any weight that you put on it somebody say amen this morning walking through the midnight hour lift them up and praise lift to him your petitions and uh, number three i want to say this listen to him in prayer don't 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 make the mistake of doing all the talking when you're praying because after all prayer is a two-way conversation amen have you ever tried to, everybody knows that person that you can't get in a word edgeways with when you start talking to them. Amen. Do you enjoy, quote unquote, talking to people that won't shut up and that won't listen to you when you have something that you want to say? Amen. How do you think our Father feels when you come into His presence and you pour, dump all of your burdens on Him and then you leave before He has a chance to respond? Hello. Take some time to listen. If you, if you do nothing, you say, I don't know what that looks like. Well, it's real simple. Just zip your lips. Open your ears. Read your word. Let the Holy Spirit do some talking. Amen. And I'm having a little fun with this, but you know it's the truth. Amen. Listen to him. Listen to him because when you open up your ears, he said, open your mouth wide and I will feel it. If, well, if you open your mouth wide and he'll feel it, don't you reckon he'll open If you open your ears up, you'll feel them too. Amen. Uh, when thou sayest, verse, 20, uh, verse 8 of chapter 27, when thou sayest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I see. You see? He got into prayer with the Lord, and the Lord spoke. And what did the Lord tell David to do? Seek ye my face. And sometimes all God's going to tell you is keep searching. Don't give up. Keep looking. Keep reading the Word. Keep praying. Keep believing me. Don't quit. Because what if your answer doesn't come in a single verse, but in an array of multiple verses that it's going to take you some time to discover and let the Holy Spirit stitch it all together and make it sense to you. What if your answer comes in phases 
and in classes that are built one upon another. What if, like Jesus told his disciples, he said, many things I have to say to you, but you're not yet able to receive them. What if he wants to give you the answer, but it's like five lessons away from where you're at right now, but he can't even give you those lessons because you're not searching for him. Amen. He'll, he'll give you answers in parts to lead to the whole. The Bible says the Spirit of God will lead and guide you into all truth. In other words, there is a journey to your knowledge and understanding and your ability to receive the fullness of the truth that God wants to share with you. But you're going to have to, you're going to, have to become a student of the Word. You're going to have to become a follower of Christ and listen to Him. And, and line upon line, precept upon precept, in the process of time, if you'll sow enough of God's seed and God's Word into your heart and to your mind, even when it feels like it's lying dormant and don't make any sense to you, one day the lights will come on. And the Holy Spirit has something to work with because you put the seed in you. And now he can begin to bring things to your remembrance and begin to teach you things and, and show you things and connect dots and bring this verse over here to this verse and, and marry those verses and show something to you that answers a specific question in your life that nobody could have told you but him and because you learn how to seek his face. You're going to have to do some searching. And I know that's not what we want to hear. I used to get aggravated at my mother-in-law. I love her to death. But earlier in my ministry, I served as assistant pastor to my father-in-law for seven years. And when me and Amy and the family was going through difficulties, I would pour my heart out looking for some golden nugget from the Word. And all she would look at me and say, just pray. I'm like, is that all you got? Say something to help me. But what I didn't know is she couldn't have said anything that would have helped me anymore. Because what I've learned to do is pray. I've learned that there's no better place to find the answer than at the sweet feet of Jesus. And now when my children come to me and ask me answers to complicated questions, you know what I'm telling them? Pray. Seek the Lord. I can't give you the answers And no pastor can ever give you what God can give you in the privacy of your own walk with him. I can only fan the flames. I can only throw words in your direction and hope that you catch them. Amen. Hope that it spurs you along. Hope that it motivates and encourages you to do your own searching. But at the end of the day, no sermon, no Sunday school lesson will ever take the place of a personal walk with God. If you want to learn how to walk through the midnight, you're going to have to learn how to not just pray, but listen to God speak. So I don't know how, if I can recognize his voice. You, you'll, you'll know it when you hear it. And if you're not convinced that you've heard it yet, hey, he said, seek me and you shall find me, did he not? Amen. That just tells me if you've sought and you've not found, you've not sought long enough yet. Uh, because he said you would find him. It might just be around the next prayer. It might just be around the next uh, meeting with God in the altar. It might be in the next uh, step of obedience that you take to the last thing God asks you to do that you've been sitting on. But you keep seeking God. He said, seek me and ye shall find me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm telling you, you need to learn to listen to him. If you'll listen to him in the midnight hour, he will speak words at strategic moments in your life that will help you Avoid pitfalls and have peace that you need to keep going for him. Help us, Lord, to listen to you.
Acts 17:27 said it this way, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him. Though, listen, he be not far from every one of us. Somebody needs to hear this morning, he's not far. <laughs> he's not far from you. I know you feel distant from the Lord. I know your trouble has convinced you that God's nowhere in sight, that you can't feel him, you can't find him, you can't make any sense. Uh, but Job said, even though I can't find him, he knoweth the way that I take. Uh, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He said, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Uh, and I will rest in confidence knowing that he has my best interest at heart. Somebody say amen this morning. Glory to God, I'm glad for the sweet consolations of the Holy Ghost and how He walks with us and He talks with us. Number four, I've got to hurry. Amen. But I want to say this. <laughs> I found the lily in my valley. The Bible said in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 1, I am the rose of Sharon. And it said, I am the lily of the valleys. <laughs> now, somebody may have already taught this to you, but just pretend like it's the first time you ever heard it, okay? Uh, have you ever seen the same lily in more than one valley? No, you haven't, unless you dug it up and replanted it, right? <laughs> but God said, I will be to you the, the, the lily you need in any valley that you walk through. You can find me in this valley, just like you found me in the last valley. He's the lily, not just of the valley that I went through yesterday, but he's the lily in every single valley that I ever have to walk through in this life. I'm telling you, he's your rose of Sharon. He's your bright and morning star. He's your lily in this valley. And you need to hear this. This valley is no different than any other valley. It's not going to do you in. It's not going to finish you off. And you're going to find that the faithful one is right here with you in this one just like it was in any other valley. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how messed up it is. You say, well, I brought myself into this valley. I think God ought to just let me suffer the, 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 my own demise. God's even got grace for that. Amen. Somehow we pretend like God only helps, helps us with problems that other people bring into our life. But now if we've messed up, we're on our own. Since when did God ever leave it up to our own devices to help ourselves out of trouble? He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The truth is, if he left, us, left it up for us to help ourselves out of the trouble we got ourselves in, we would never be helped. Because I can't dig myself out of this mess I got myself into. You know what I'm going to need? I'm not going to need another list of do's and don'ts so that I can earn bounty points with God. That ain't going to do me no good. I need a little bit of humility. I need a little bit of repentance. And I need a little bit of grace. And if I can just call on the name of the Lord, He'll scoop me up and He'll pull me up out of the miry clay. And He'll set my feet on a solid rock and He'll establish my goings in spite of my past. And don't ever let church people convince you that God's through with you. You're not their judge, thank you very much. I don't care who they are, where they've been, what they've done. You leave their past between them and God, and you just minister grace to them. Because all of us need a good dose of grace every once in a while. All of us need a little bit of pick-me-up from God, Jehovah, the righteous one, every once in a while. Because if I had to pick myself up, I'd never do it. Never be able to do it. So you know what he does? He does it for me. He rolled up his sleeves 
in eternity past and said, Now I see that my creation is going to fall and blunder, and there's not going to be a thing that they can do to save themselves. I guess I'm going to have to put a plan together because I love them too much. Uh, and and, and I, I want to fix it so uh, that fellowship can be restored. And I know it's going to be their fault, and I know they don't deserve it. And if they got what they deserve, they'd be in hell. But I'm going to do it anyway because I love them. And that same grace it took to save you from your past uh, on the day you got saved is the same grace you're going to need to sustain you throughout your messed up Christian journey because we're still sinners saved by grace. I need the Lord to help me every day. I ain't been a saint since I got saved. Have you? (laughs) Okay, good. We're all on the same page then. Praise the Lord. His grace will sustain you. Mm, Let's see here. Number four, I want to say this. Lean on his power. You say, my goodness, how many points does he have? <laughs> I got five, so I'm on four. We good, right? We good. I- I'm almost there. Look at verse 10 of our text. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Number four, you just going to have to learn to lean on his power. I don't. I couldn't imagine a more crushing rejection than having been rejected by your own biological parents. Some might be here this morning that have experienced that very reality. It wouldn't surprise me in a crowd this size. And to you, I say I'm sorry that you've had to live through that. And I know it's painful, and I know it hurts, even though I've never had to experience that. But if that's the extreme of broken relationships, look what the Lord says he does. He takes you up. The good news is you don't have to walk it alone in spite of who forsook you, in spite of who rejected you, in spite of who broke your heart, in spite of who disappointed you. You might have invested your entire life into somebody and they just walked away like... And you're just left in shell shock. Do you know what the Bible said the Lord will do? He'll take you up. He'll carry you when you can't carry yourself. And he'll carry you when you've been dropped by the most important people in your life. Learn to lean on him. He can carry the weight. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. If you know the song, sing it. Learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Sing it one more time. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. I'm finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus.
it's that good. He'll bear you. He'll take you up. He'll carry you through. If you haven't given him a chance yet, you need to do that today. Today. He loves you. Just uh, unload your burdens before him and watch and see if he don't help you. Amen. Lastly, I've got to close. you got to love his presence. you got to love his presence. Verse 14 speaks of his presence when it says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. And then he said, he repeated it for all of us Baptists that have to be told twice. <laughs> wait on the Lord. Somebody say amen right there. I've always looked at that verse as I'm waiting on the Lord to show up. Until recently did I did it dawn on me that I'm not waiting on the Lord to show up because he's already here. Did you hear that? He's already in the room. Amen. He's accessible. He's approachable. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You're not waiting on him to show up. Amen. You're just waiting on him to take action. And I find comfort in the presence of my father, regardless of whether or not in that moment it looks like he has lifted his finger to help. Because David didn't ask always that God would move on his behalf, but he did beg God not to let his spirit depart from him. Because I do know this, that regardless of whether or not God is either doing something or not doing something, or doing something that I can't see him doing, the most important thing i got to know is that he's in the room and he's right here beside me. Amen. My wife and I have gone through many valleys, as most of you have too, no doubt. We've held our hands and wept, and we have come to the conclusion that regardless of our understanding or lack of understanding of what God is doing in our lives, as long as he gives us the assurance of his presence, we can make it through. I don't know sometimes what God's doing. I don't know how sometimes it's going to work out. But when I feel his presence, and I know his presence is there, I know it's going to be okay. <laughs> and, and, and the more I walk with the Lord, the more I realize that he's never left me, and he's never forsook me, and he never, he's not even going to start to do that. Just because I'm not emotionally acclimated to his presence doesn't mean that his presence is not there. I'm telling you, he's in your room, he's in your life, he cares for you, and he's about to do something in your life, but you just need to wait until he does it. Amen. But if he's close, that means he's got plans. You think God just wants to sit inactive in your life, your whole life, and not do anything? Why do you think He made His presence available? For you to just set Him up like a, like a trophy so people look at Him and you can talk about somebody that never does anything for you? No, He wants to be in your life so that He's available and accessible and that His power can be activated in a moment's notice when it's needed the most. He puts Himself close enough to you that He can reach out and touch you when He needs to. And when I couldn't reach him, he came to where, where I was at. Amen. And sometimes I'm so weak, I can't even lift up my head to him. But, but that's okay. He gets down low on the ground with me and looks at me in my eyes and says, I'm right here, son. I'm right here with you. I'm never going to leave you. I told you I wouldn't, and I mean it. I'm here with you to the end. Look at the great intercessor, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is so committed to, uh, to what he did for us on the cross that he still to this day ever liveth, liveth the end 
intercede for you and for me. And throughout all of eternity, he's going to bear the marks of the scars in his hand and on his forehead as a constant reminder that he did that for you. And even in his glorified state and throughout eternity, he never wants us to forget that he never left us and he never forsook us. And he's always there with us. And you need to believe that today, even if you can't feel it right now. Amen. He's here. (laughs) I'm talking about walking through the midnight hour. Oh, glory to God. When you don't know which way is up or down or around or what have you, learn to love his presence. He said in Psalm 16, 11, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Just learn how to bask in the presence of the Lord. If you can't do nothing else, I, there's been many times I find myself uh, just in, 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 the, in the church house, just sitting quietly, just me and God. Uh, and I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how to bear the burden of my heart. I, there's not enough words in the English vocabulary to articulate, uh, to put into words the, the feelings of my soul and how grieved I am sometimes and how broken I am sometimes. So I just sit in his presence and I groan and moan and then the good Holy Ghost uh, takes my tears and my groanings and my moanings uh, and turns them into words that the Heavenly Father can understand. Uh, And it don't take long that the Jesus is sitting beside me and wrapping me up tight and loving on me, uh, squeezing tears out of my eyes and ministering grace to me. uh, And all I needed was just a touch of his presence. And I'm telling you, he can do the same for you today, no matter how dark your midnight is. Oh, glory to God. He is altogether lovely. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. So I want you today to learn to walk in confidence, as verse 3 says. In this, he said, will I be confident. That's the complete sentence. In this... Well, I'd be confident, period. It, it sounds like it's, he's fixing to set it up for something, don't it? He's fixing to tell us what he's fixing to be confident in. He's, he's not telling us what he's fixing to be confident in in, to, in terms of prayer. He's telling us that in spite of the valley he's walking through, he's going to be confident anyway. In this valley, I'm going to be confident based on the knowledge that I already have of who I'm serving. So you can walk in confidence that God... Has you by side. Everybody standing to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. We're going to have an invitation. And I want to invite you to bear your burdens before the presence of the Lord today. There and you see here in the altar. It makes no difference to me. Just let the Spirit of God work in your heart. And you may just need to pour out your heart to Him. You may need to lay before Him and worship Him this morning. And, but I want to ask you a question. As every head's bowed and every eye's closed, and the, if I could ask a pianist to come, maybe begin to play just as I am on the piano, lightly, if you would, please. You may be here today, and you don't even know that heaven's your home. You, you don't even know if you're saved or not. In fact, you probably know you're not saved. And when I preach about the pre- abiding presence of the Lord and the good comforts of the Holy Spirit, you can't relate to that. You've never experienced the reassuring presence of God in your life because you don't know Him. You've never given your life to Him. If that's you, 
I want to extend you a personal invitation to walk up to the front and let me take my Bible and show you how you can know for sure that your heaven's your home one day. As she begins to play, I want to invite you to come and give your life to Christ. And I want to ask the Christians to pray. Maybe a couple of you men can come to the altar and lead the way to the altar and just begin to pray for those that need to respond to the gospel today. I know I didn't preach John 3.16, but I preached enough about Jesus where you ought to know that he's your only hope. You ought to know that he's your only help. You should give your heart and life to him today if you haven't already done so. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you that you can teach us how to walk through the midnight. I want to thank you that you've reassured us today that no matter how dark the world gets around us, politically or personally, that you'll see us through. God, for those that are brokenhearted, for those that are discouraged, for those that were ready to throw in the towel, I pray that you would comfort them today. I pray that you bring them peace that surpasseth all understanding. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to walk away from this place feeling your presence, but more importantly, knowing your presence, even if we can't feel it. God, to trust you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to give it all to you. Lord, be determined that we're going to be confident that we're king's kids and you're going to take care of us. Help us to be equipped and enabled as a church now to rise to the occasion in this dark world and show others the path to Jesus. Show others the path to God through Jesus. To tell others where to find the light. Lord, may your word be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Once again, we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to your authority in our lives. And whether we understand it or not, we trust you. And we ask that you give us the grace and the understanding and the discipline and the perseverance to go steady on, even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of pain and hurt, disappointment, to give you praise, to talk to you, to let you talk to us, to lean on your power and enjoy your presence so that we can walk through the midnight with you by our side. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.